Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Across the UK, online, on DAB, and on your smart speaker, the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. Uh, welcome to the hottest day of the year so far, ladies and gentlemen. There will be thousands of you flocking to the beaches, to the parks and to the pubs of this great nation today. Already, I can tell you the work rate in London has slowed to an absolute crawl. There's only about 50% capacity on the roads this morning compared to yesterday. And if you can find any, it might be wise to seek out some air conditioning. I'm sitting in a very, very well air conditioned studio here looking out over the uh, rooftops of London. I can see the Tower of London glistening in the sunshine it's absolutely beautiful it's very hot it's going to get up to about 35 degrees uh, which i can tell you is going to be unbearable uh, if you're not sitting in an air-conditioned car which i'm going to be doing a little bit later on today we've got lots to be getting on with before any of that happens though not least the news that broke late last night that about four million people in the north of england are in a new lockdown on the day that eid begins in the muslim calendar the government obviously decided it would be a great idea to limit the ability of people in greater manchester east lancashire and parts of west yorkshire to mingle in in each other's houses. This morning, Julie Hartley Brewer asked Matt Hancock if there was an elephant in the room, and he more or less admitted that there was indeed such an elephant. We'll be exploring that, we'll be talking about it, because in the end, the only way to get the truth out there is to talk about the truth, to talk about what's actually going on. But when is all this going to end? We'll be asking Professor Carol Sikora, uh, the man uh, who is genuinely known as the calmest man in medicine today. 0344 499 1000. Coming up later on, uh, we'll be finding out whether the Prime Minister is going to change the quarantine laws for people returning from holiday to include more countries on the bad list. There's a briefing around about midday. We'll bring that to you live. And we'll be following up on our exclusive with Nigel Farage yesterday. We've asked Bromsgrove MP and former Chancellor Sajid Javid to come on the show and explain why we are not being told about the numbers of illegal migrants that we are paying to house in hotels up and down the country to the tune uh, of about £400 million a year. Uh, we know you want to know the answer. 0344 499 1000. It's Friday, of course, so we shall also be bringing you another sparkling episode of the Perrier Awards, which is, of course, an homage to my brilliance in broadcasting in the company of Marta Malagon, the producer, and we'll be finding out just how hot it is going to be throughout this entire weekend. You're listening to me, Mike Graham, right here on the fastest-growing radio station on the planet. It is, of course... Talk Radio. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio.
Now, just before the news this morning, you heard Julia Hartley Brewer playing out once more her interview with Health Secretary Matt Hancock, in which she managed to extract from him the real reason behind this sudden decision to lock down parts of the northwest of England, not least Lancashire, not least Greater Manchester, and of course other parts uh, of Yorkshire as well, West Yorkshire, I should say, uh, and East Lancashire. The reason being that is Eid. Uh, Eid is a big Muslim festival. Eid is a time when people get together in families, in groups of families, in other people's houses. Uh, It's a feast. Uh, There's a lot of food that gets cooked. There's a lot of mingling that goes on. And quite frankly, you know, what we are seeing here is what is is a very sensible decision being taken by the government. And all we're asking for uh, is an admission by the government that they're taking this particular decision because of a particular community. And there's nothing wrong with saying that. I don't think there is any reason not to say it. Uh, So we will be talking about that today. Let's talk to Dr. Carol Sikora, though, who is, of course, former head of the WHO Cancer Programme, Dean of Medicine at the University of Buckingham. Uh, Very, very good morning to you, Carol. Morning, Mike. Thanks very much indeed, as ever, for joining us. Um, Some people uh, up in the north of England expressing a bit of, uh, shall we say, rancour that it was such a late decision and announced so late in the evening. But it was clear to me, it seems, that that suddenly somebody realised that Eid was upon us and they really needed to do something and do it quick. I think, you know, a bit more forward planning is necessary. The numbers started spiking about three or four days ago. And to announce it at 10 o'clock at night on Twitter is probably not the best way to let people <laughs> I mean, it just seems so amateur uh, for a government to do that. I mean, it's it's almost unbelievable you could, you could see that happen. I know the problem they have, they have to go to the advisors. The advisors have to consider it. I bet there were a lot of hurried phone calls that yesterday afternoon sort this out. What's the political implication? What are we going to tell the Muslim body? You know, we, we, it looks as though we're t- targeting them you know i think you have to be objective if it was christmas and if it was the churches were cancelling we'd have to do it and i think everyone respects that yes and this this virus doesn't care uh who it infects basically we have to just change the behavior yes that's right but you've also said professor uh in a tweet from yesterday and I'd, i'd like to read it out if i may the whole response to the virus doesn't work without trust the vast majority of people are understanding but that trust has to work both ways i plead with the government to be more transparent and honest about the decision making process it will help and and how kind of apposite did that turn out to be um some hours later because it's precisely what is going wrong here is that they're not telling us why they're coming to these decisions the, the whole thing's hidden in secrecy. And the nonsense about the quarantine, which I know you think the same as me about, as we've talked before, uh, again, it has to be transparent. You can plan for what you're going to, going to do when cases reach a set level. And you can actually just have it. That's how other countries are handling this. They're planning what to do at different cutoff points. And that's a, re- a staged approach to it. Call it a traffic light system, whatever you like. But it's a metric that you, is objective. It's not based on closed door meetings, subjective, and then suddenly twittering everybody, including the mayor, no doubt, to say, Andy, help us out here. Control your people. You know, this is not the way to run a, a country, basically. I think, you know, the, in the past, what we saw at the very beginning of this pandemic was relatively easy. But cases were shooting up. It was like climbing up a steep escarpment, just going uphill all the way. Ice axes to the top. The numbers just go steadily up. And then there's been a slow fall. And now we're in the tail. And now and again, we get these little blips. And what we're seeing in the North Country, Manchester and the suburbs is that blip. 
and we just need to control him and yes. it will calm down again. It's uh, great. I, I, here's another bit that I don't quite understand, uh, Professor, and that is the government saying that they believe us to be, say, two weeks behind Spain. Now, my understanding of the Spanish situation uh, is that an awful lot of the spiking that's going on, certainly in the north around Barcelona, is to do with younger people uh, mingling in, in nightclubs, mingling in bars um, and setting themselves off uh, and, and getting the virus for the first time. Similarly, in other parts of the country, uh, you know, it's, it's a specific group of people. That's not the same. It's seems to me, uh, as the reasoning behind locking down Manchester. No, it, it's different. And not only that, what we're seeing, very few hospital admissions, which is great. Uh, totally different from what we saw at April at the beginning when we went into uh, lockdown. We were seeing the rising incidence of the virus and huge numbers of people, some of them very ill in critical care units. That's all gone, which is great. Mm. We're seeing a totally different, much milder form, younger people, some people, no symptoms at all. That's the trouble for contact tracing. People don't believe it. They say, well, I, I feel perfectly well. Why should I care? And uh, they carry on. And the young people are like that. They're yeah. not, not going to go to the disco in Barcelona. No, quite. But also, what about the situation of the second wave? Because there seems to be some conversations around that. The Prime Minister has now said that he believes there to be a second wave. Matt Hancock has said that there is a second wave. You know, but however, medical people that I'm speaking to, and I think you're, you're one of them, uh, would say there is no second wave. There is no second. WHO have agreed there's no second wave. Their uh, spokesman on pandemic, Margaret Harris, announced yesterday um, that there was no second wave. What we're seeing is the first wave continuing and not properly controlled in certain locales. And they are very locally, uh, pro local problems. So what we're seeing in Manchester just had to be brought under control. And by Monday or Tuesday, everything should be fine. I'm, mm. I'm fairly confident we'll get this under control. It does require social cooperation, uh, does require people to be helpful. I think, you know, the police throughout this whole thing have been fantastic. It doesn't need heavy handedness from the police. And uh, I think just gentle persuasion, but not please a Twitter at 11 o'clock at night, which you read with some amusement. Yes. Well, I suppose under the circumstances, though, it would be better that they did it last night rather than wait until this morning uh, to give a press conference at 9am, by which time it might have been too late because too many people might have already spent the evening together last night uh, and, and done things which might be considered to be reckless. So, so I mean, I'm, I'm actually unusually for me, Professor, I'm going to give them a break on this one and I'm going to let you <laughs> criticise them. But, but let's talk about where we go from here, because obviously people are still concerned about their holidays. And I know that might seem trivial, but people are still worried about uh, whether they can go to a place that they've booked to go to next week, possibly the week after. You know, what are you making of the way that uh, the, 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 the sort of the uh, the quarantine business and the lockdown overseas is working? I, I think it has been complete chaos. And again, it's back to not having set metrics when you allow countries to be part of the, the corridor, mm. the travel corridor and come back. The other problem is lack of testing. It is just so simple to test a lot of people, including uh, people that are traveling. Um, we need better tests. The, 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 the PCR test, which involves a nose swab, is cumbersome. It's not pleasant. And uh, it, it's too slow. The, the whole process is too slow. We're hearing a lot of things about saliva testing. And that, to me, seems a huge way forward for everybody because it's non-invasive. If it's true, some of the some of the trials going on, you get the result within 15 minutes. By the time you get to the baggage carousel, 
you've got your test mm. result you yeah. know, in, in any big airport. Right. That's how we should be thinking now. And that will relieve the enormous relief to travelers. It's the uncertainty people can't stand. And obviously, you spend £10,000 on a family holiday, which some people are doing, and you're just going to lose that money if you don't go or if there's a problem. It's a really a, a hard financial decision for a family. So I really sympathise with people living with the uncertainty. Well, listen, I, I can't believe the numbers of people who say, oh, the testing doesn't work terribly well. Uh, the tests are not very good. I mean, I happen to know there are tests which are available, which are privately available, which are incredibly accurate, 99% accurate. Uh, they're antibody tests, but they also tell you whether you've got the disease live. They also tell you whether you've had the disease and they tell you whether you've had antibodies. And it's a blood test. It's a pinprick in your thumb. You know, What's wrong with doing that? Why can't the government get hold of these tests and give them to people? Everything is now possible. And I think we're going to see, I, I suppose when we started, no one really thought it was going to go become as serious as this. And we know it's serious because of what's happened in the States and Latin America. I mean, they're still hot countries in terms of COVID. Europe's much, much quieter. And that's why testing is actually more important in a quiet country than in a hot country, because hot uh, in, in the virus sense because you're looking for little picking it up in small areas right. and if you can pick it up in small areas then postcodes you really want a postcode map of where you've got the virus and then you can do something about it persuade yes. people but you do need testing for that whether they're cheap tests or more expensive tests we're going to have to rely on technology as we move forward. No, of course. But if, as you say, the hospital admissions are not actually going up, you know, are we taking it too seriously? Because actually the rate of infection may go up and may go down in specific areas because of one particular activity or another. But in the end, if people aren't being admitted to hospital with bad cases of coronavirus, you know, what are we worried about? That, that's exactly it. And 50% of people... Micah, have no symptoms at all, yeah. and yet they're infected. The danger, of course, they can spread it. So, uh, But it is really good news the hospital admissions haven't gone up, yeah. and obviously with that, the, the deaths have gone right down. And, you know, we've had all that mess about how the data on deaths was collected by Public Health England. Now it's we're just reporting hospital deaths. We're not trying to bundle them all because they're being bundled on from April, even in July, deaths that occurred in April being counted as though they presented on the graphs as though they happened last week, for example. Yes. Uh, so that's all over. So it's a much, much lower figure. The trouble is everything's changed during the three months, the four months of this pandemic, the way the numbers are collected. But we're gradually getting there. So I think the future, testing, localising, and, you know, the, the factories where Iceland and Swindon, I read uh, this morning, uh, 51 people testing positive. These, we have to expect that. It's yeah. not the end of the world. Well, this is what I'm saying. I think I think we obviously are going to be dealing with this for quite some time to come. So what we have to do is accept that it's there, accept that these uh, spikes will happen, but the rest of us get on with our lives in the normal uh, sense of the word. Because to be honest, I was talking to some people yesterday uh, after I finished my show, and we all agreed that if there was another kind of universal lockdown organised in this country, most people wouldn't bother uh, adhering to it. 
But I think that's right. And the NHS has got to go through its recovery phase. And it's been very slow to get back. NHS recovery, uh, getting back to normal business, non-COVID related. It is coming, but it's still dominated by by COVID. That's the way the system works. Mm. And I've been a consultant for 40 years. I know exactly how it works. It's difficult to change course. It's got to change course for cancer, cardiac, arthritis, all the other diseases it treats. We've got to move forward. And uh, it, it is difficult because all the systems are, are planning for disaster scenarios around second ways about mutation and so on, which is fine. But there's a disaster scenario coming from people's other diseases mm. if we don't get back into action. Right. And why is the medical profession so split by this, Professor? Because it does seem to me to be very odd that there are people like yourself who are eminently sensible and others who seem to want to actually alarm people all the time. I think that's really part of the problem. I, you know, I look at some of the media that comes out, not you and not, not talk radio, but some other very alarmist stuff. And yeah. it's almost they're enjoying reporting it in an alarmist way. That's the thing I find difficult. And some of my colleagues the same. I, you know, I, I remember at the very beginning seeing this prediction of second wave in September and disaster in winter because of winter pressures, yeah. the, the pneumonia and so on in older people. And the collapse of the NHS, ventilator beds, reopening of the Nightingale hospitals, that sort of scenario. And it was as if they're enjoying telling mm. me, oh, you forget about your cancer patient. They're not going to get treated till next year. Yeah. And uh, that seems uh, not a balanced way of looking at the situation. It really doesn't. And what about yourself, Professor? Are you taking a holiday this year? Are you venturing out of the uh, British Isles or are you going to stay where we are? I think I'll stay where I am for now. I've been rather busy and we're getting going. And uh, I think, uh, you know, British Isles are wonderful. They certainly I'm are. I'm going to the South for a couple of days next week just to have a look around with okay. my wife and family. Very nice too. Well, listen, have a great time. Thank you very much as ever for talking to us. Professor Carol Sakura, uh, World Health Organization Cancer Programme Head, formerly, uh, now Dean of Medicine at the University of Buckingham. Always a very calm voice around uh, some of the panic stations that go along and go around. You know, we're hearing from some Labour politicians that the government's messed it all up in Manchester. Nobody knows what's going on. Well, people do know what's going on in Manchester. It's pretty straightforward. It's pretty clear. People are not allowed to mingle in other people's houses because if they're not in the same household, that could be a problem. And it has been entirely instituted because of the Muslim festival of Eid. Because in Eid, people like to get together with various extended members of their family from many different households in very large numbers, uh, mixing together in very close quarters. And that is precisely what the government wants them to avoid doing. And if that's what the government wants them to avoid doing, then just avoid doing it. How tough, difficult is that? Why would that make you in any way confused unless you were a complete 24 carat numpty? Mid morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Now, there seems to be a sort of a bit of a myth uh, going around doing the rounds this morning that this uh, government advice to Manchester was issued on Twitter. It wasn't. Every newspaper has it. Uh, people are saying it was on a government website. Uh, Lewis Goodall, uh, who, as we know, is a sort of Labour activist now currently working for Newsnight on the BBC, uh, is responsible for putting out uh, the idea that it was released on Twitter. And that was the first anybody heard of it. Uh, it's absolutely not true. Andy Burnham was consulted uh, quite early on, late in the afternoon. Uh, the Times has got it on their front page, as has the Daily Mail. Uh, that would mean that they would have to have had that uh, relatively early in the evening before they could put it on their front page. But lockdown restrictions, according to the Times, 
tightened last night for four million people across large parts of northern England, including Greater Manchester, East Lancashire and parts of West Yorkshire. The restrictions apply to all indoor gatherings, including pubs and restaurants, with immediate effect. Uh, basically, people have been failing to observe social distancing rules, according to the government statement. So let's talk now to Councillor Richard Kilpatrick, Deputy Leader of the Opposition at Manchester City Council. Richard, a very good morning to you. Welcome. Good morning, Mike. Thanks Thank very you. much indeed for uh, for joining us. Um, can you give us any information as to when you were made aware of this particular piece of information? I mean, officially, Mike, I, I haven't still been made aware of it. I think I found out at the same time as every other resident in the area um, very late last night. Um, and if it's anything like some of the residents that have emailed me across the city so far today, um, I think the guidance still has a lot of holes in it. I think residents are, are a little bit concerned of exactly the reasons why the area has, has seen these new restrictions and, of course, why it applies to the entirety of Greater Manchester. Yes. And what is the difficulty with some of the uh, um, sort of, uh, shall we say, the misunderstandings? What is it that people don't know whether they can do? So I think that initially this morning, Matt Hancock officially said that they could visit members of their family outside of Greater Manchester. The official advice on the government website is contrary to that. Um, there is several people contacting us about trips that they had planned, events, local businesses telling us what do they need to do about bookings that they had over this weekend. I think that the timing has been, has been extremely unfortunate for a lot of the members of the community. Um, but, you know, I'm sure that Manchester will respond exactly how it has been doing and follow the guidance as closely as possible. Yeah, I mean, one of the reasons Matt Hancock gave uh, to Julia Hartley Brewer this morning was because it's no coincidence that the timing is the timing because it's Eid, which started uh, for some people last night. Today is the official sort of um, festival kicking off time, really. Um, and the concern that the government have got is that people in those communities celebrating Eid have not been uh, sort of practising social distancing. But I think actually we all need to take responsibility here. I mean, you know, there, there is definitely among the a younger age group people who may have been flouting rules um, a lot earlier than than, than they should have. Um, I, and actually, you know, my heart goes out to to Muslim members of the community who has, in essence, it's a little it's a little bit like being told that Christmas is cancelled on Christmas Eve. Uh, you know. That community is really hurting at the minute, and I think that we need to do all that we can to support them. Well, that's fine, but you know the point is, if they're not representing a social distancing properly uh, as a result of either not being able to understand the rules or not really being communicated the rules, you know, then they've only got themselves to blame, haven't they? I think it's a really simplistic argument, actually, to say that somehow Eid is the only reason that Greater Manchester and parts of of West Yorkshire. Well, that's what Matt Hancock said. Well, and I disagree with Mike with Mike Hancock. Um, I think that look. There is multiple reasons why this area has gone into lockdown all across all of the greater boroughs. There's been an increase. There's been a bigger increase in Oldham. Um, I think that there is the question should be if this was if this was greater London, if we were talking about areas of Richmond that had higher rates than others, would the entire borough be locked down or would the entire city be locked down? I think you'd probably get a different answer. Well, I've no idea. I mean, we could talk about hypotheticals all day. All I can tell you is that there's been some illegal raves uh, in Manchester as well, which have obviously contributed. And I presume the council uh, have been remiss in not clamping down on those. Well, actually, local to the local authorities have been planning on um, a very individualistic approach. So I've been privy to the Manchester-specific approach on, on lockdown. Not at what any point was Greater Manchester given any sort of, of warning, and especially from opposition politicians. It might be the case that Andy Burnham was privy to this, but um, as opposition politicians, we were not. Well, isn't that his responsibility to pass those com uh, communications on to you? 
absolutely. And, and do you think he's been remiss in that then? I think it's a failure on, on his part. Um, I think that, and it's also failing on the government's part. You know, ultimately, it is the local businesses and local residents that will come to their local representatives. And quite frankly, it's embarrassing not being able to give them reassurance on what's going to happen in the future. Right. And does the council have a role in in policing any of this? I mean, are you expecting to be um, uh, involved in sending out council um, workers to try and ensure that this lockdown is adhered to? So currently, according to the guidance, um, GMP will play a big role in enforcement, obviously fines of 100 to £150, depending on the level of uh, infringement. Um, local officers are working and have been working throughout lockdown on enforcement where they can. Um, but quite frankly, you know, with over 2,000 2, premises licences across the city and a workforce of less than 50 to enforce it, you know, it's already a, a hard job. Yeah. And do you think this is a bit of a sledgehammer to crack a nut, Richard? Because, you know, we keep hearing, we just had Professor Carol Sakura on earlier, uh, that hospital admissions are not necessarily going up. And if hospital admissions are not going up, does it really matter if people are getting more infected, if it's not really critical? Well, I mean, you, you know, you, you always have to follow scientific advice here. And I think that anything that we can do to prevent localised outbreaks um, and prevent those localised outbreaks um, moving on and, and, and preventing a second spike, if we are even out of the first spike, um, we should be supporting. So, uh, look, there's always going to be a two-week, three-week delay in hospital admissions, which is the natural case of a pandemic. Um, but we need to make sure that we're following scientific guidance. Yes. So, I mean, would you expect most people who are being asked to adhere to these social distancing rules and to adhere to these particular new lockdown rules, would you expect most people to go along with that? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I can only speak on behalf of the residents that I've spoken to and residents that I know and the community of Manchester that I know. And I know for a fact that people will as a whole be be supporting these these new regulations and be following them obviously as we've seen throughout the pandemic there are going to be small groups there's been some actions across the city including the raves that you've mentioned Mm. um that are very contrary to that um but as a whole i think manchester will do what manchester always does which is come come together and and look out for each other and look out for the community sure richard thank you very much indeed richard kilpatrick deputy leader of the opposition at manchester city council saying that andy burnham hasn't been entirely transparent uh, with some of the information that he could have passed on uh, to his colleagues in the council uh, but at the end of the day what we do know because matt hancock has confirmed it this morning with julie hartley brewer uh, that yes the eid is a, 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 a partial reason for why the lockdown was ordered it's not the only reason but it is certainly part of it uh, equally illegal raves are also part of it and so the point is, is if you are not social distancing properly if you are not adhering uh, to what the general advice is and if the uh, infection rate starts to go up inevitably you will I'm afraid uh, have to pay the price of that which means that you will be locally locked down if you're in Manchester though we'd love to hear from you if you're in East Lancashire we'd love to hear from you and if you're in West Yorkshire where you've also been told to behave yourselves we'd like to hear from you as well 0344 499 don't forget we are are live streaming right now on YouTube, uh, on Twitter and on Facebook. So get on it. Watch us uh, as well as listening to us, which is what an awful lot of people are now doing. Millions and millions of views going on uh, over the course of the week and uh, many, many more to come. This is Talk Radio. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, Relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. 
tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. So yesterday, um, I think many of you were quite extraordinarily surprised, as I was, gobsmacked even, uh, to hear the news from Nigel Farage as he told us exclusively uh, that he had discovered, after investigating a situation that was brought to his knowledge uh, by somebody up in uh, the Birmingham area, that in Bromsgrove, and a hotel in Bromsgrove in particular in Worcestershire, uh, it was discovered that the hotel has been shut down to the general public. You're not able to get a booking there for the rest of the year. Uh, Basically, uh, it is closed to the public because it has been rented out by a company called Serco, uh, who are basically in receipt of a government contract, which means that they have been given exclusive rights uh, to spend £2.9 billion of of taxpayers' money looking after refugees who come here illegally, who come here on boats, on dinghies, from across the channel in France, uh, and without fear or favour, know that they will be shipped in a coach away from Dover, away from Hastings, away from Pet, uh, various other places that they land uh, over the course of the Sussex and Kent coasts, and they're given uh, spaces in hotels. Now, you might say they deserve to be given spaces in hotels. They've come here from war-torn countries. They've come here because they wish to get a better life. Uh, My view would be on that that they are economic refugees. They are not fleeing war zones. France is not a war zone. Neither is Spain. uh, Neither is Portugal. Neither, in fact, is Belgium. Any of the countries that they've arrived at by way of travelling from uh, the African continent uh, or from the Middle East or from Afghanistan, places like that, they should, of course, seek asylum in the first European country that they get to. But what they're doing is coming to this country because I fear that they expect better treatment here than they would get in France, than they would get in Spain and that they would get in Italy. But Serco and Mears have won contracts totaling £2.9 billion uh, for providing accommodation and support for asylum seekers. Uh, and of course, from their point of view, it's very good business. Uh, shares went in, uh, in Serco went up 6.5% when this deal was done earlier on in the year. And it really is quite an extraordinary situation uh, to uh, have discovered. And Nigel Farage should be given great credit for doing so. Let's talk now, though, to Benjamin Lochnane from Migration Watch to get his reaction to it. Benjamin, a very good morning to you. Morning. I must confess, I mean, it's not hard to find evidence that this has been going on because I managed to find a story uh, that was published, I think, back in January of 2019 that Serco and Mears, two big companies, won these particular contracts. But I don't think anybody who listened to our show yesterday was quite aware of the scale of it. Oh, Mike, yeah, absolutely. Um, And Serco and Mears, this is a huge scandal because they've been given a 10-year contract 
Uh, I don't think people realise 10 years means that the government does not intend to get a handle of this on this. They are awarding contracts for the long term, billion pounds worth in, in contracts, uh, big money business for, for these companies who are making a huge profit out of what is a national scandal. Um, and, it, and it's not just them, it's the human traffickers as well who yeah. are shipping people across. Um, you know, but the government doesn't seem to be doing anything about it. They seem not to care. And I think, uh, you know, uh, where are the journalists as well? Uh, why does it take Nigel Farage to well, do the job that they're supposed to be doing? You know, proper investigative journalism revealing the biggest scandal going on today. Right. Um, and, and, and the journalists seem to be sitting around twiddling their thumbs, not doing anything about it. Oh, no, they'd rather criticise the government for not announcing the uh, Manchester lockdown soon enough, you know, because that seems to make more traction for them. I'm not quite sure why. But it is an extraordinary story uh, because, as Nigel says, there's no sign of this abating. And as long as this is going on, um, these people are going to continue to come. And we're basically enriching the lives of the criminal fraternity who are human traffickers, aren't we? Oh, absolutely, yeah. We are not only enriching them, but we're incentivising them when we say... Oh, you know, if you if you ship people across, we'll put them up in four-star hotels at the uh, at a cost of the British taxpayer. Yeah. There's absolutely no risk involved for them at all. There's no chance of them being turned back. There's no chance of them being, you know, rounded up and, and, and arrested. Mm. This is being facilitated entirely, not only by uh, the government, but in a large part by the government, but also by the journalistic class, which does nothing to, you know, cover this story mm. at all. Yeah. You know, if, if anything, the, 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 social distancing, the social distancing they're involved in is from real news. Right. And from what I can see as well, just from local anecdotal information, I mean, I mentioned yesterday to Nigel that the case of uh, the stabbing up in Glasgow uh, proved that there was at least one hotel in Glasgow uh, which is occupied solely by asylum seekers. There's another story from York that uh, came to my attention yesterday uh, where a couple of people have been arrested uh, for fighting and it looks as though there's at least one hostelry or one hotel in York which is uh, used solely for the purposes of putting up these uh, asylum seekers. Um, and as I say, I can't blame them for coming because if they know this is the kind of treatment they're going to get, then why wouldn't you come? You'd almost be stupid not to come. Yeah. If you're th- sitting in a camp in Calais mm. and you look over and you can, on a clear day, see Dover, yeah. and you know, just waiting over that short stretch of water is a four-star hotel, right. food, free health care, free dental care, which mm. even British taxpayers don't get. We right. have to pay for our dental care. Um, why wouldn't you go? Well, exactly. I mean, it, it, there's every incentive uh, in, in the book. But since the beginning of lockdown... Three three and a half thousand migrants have crossed the channel. Three and a half thousand is a huge number. Yeah. That's, I believe, uh, more than half of all who have arrived since 2018 have come yeah. since the start of lockdown. Yeah. Um, and, well, for good reason, because we are doing nothing to disincentivize these crossings. Quite the opposite. We are making it the, you know, uh, a paradise. Uh, for people who right. want to break the and, law. And what and is it, do you it. think, that Pretty Patel isn't doing or isn't telling us? Because she told us uh, here at Talk Radio, uh, in fact, that she was uh, in the process of speaking to the French, getting a deal done with the French, but was already stopping more than half of the traffic that was coming across the Channel. And that may well be true, um, that, you know, if there was 3,000 people that have come, uh, it could have been worse, it could have been 6,000. But clearly they're not stopping enough of them. Well, uh, you know, when she went over to France um, uh, a couple of weeks ago to talk to her opposite number, at the same time, 200 migrants were crossing in the other direction, which yeah. was at that point the highest number on record 
ever. Mm. And I say at that point because it's we, we've broken that record again yesterday. I think 202 came yesterday. Yeah. Um, it, it's only rising. So she can say, oh, well, it would be higher if I wasn't doing this, that and the other. But, well, it, it's rising to record numbers. That's bad enough. Mm. Well, here's the other thing. Nigel said to me yesterday, and you can possibly confirm uh, or otherwise, he said most of them will apply for asylum. Most of them will fail to get asylum, but they won't actually be kicked back out of the country. They'll end up staying here. Well, yeah, exactly. And of the three and a half thousand who've come since the start of lockdown, do you know how many have been returned? Uh, no, tell Zero. Me. Really? Zero. Not one. And is that because of the uh, inability of the country to be sorting itself out? Or is it the result of this kind of human rights um, agenda that we seem to be suffering from, which is we can't send people back to their country of origin if it is indeed a war-torn country? Well, fundamentally, it's a total lack of will, political will, total cowardice mm. from the government to do anything which might look like the nasty party. Right. They are so desperate to rebrand themselves as being, you know, the, uh, you know, magic money tree, you know, buy everyone out of um, uh, of the economic disaster yeah. that's, uh, you know, been occurring over the past few uh, months. Um, they're acting more like the Labour Party at the moment than what you would expect from a Conservative government. People yeah. in the Red Hall constituencies did not vote Conservative because they wanted Labour policies. No. People who've been voting Labour their entire lives didn't switch to Conservative because they wanted left-wing, soft, namby-pamby yeah. politics. They voted Conservatives because they saw what was happening and they wanted it to stop. Yeah. And the government, if it fails to step up, will suffer at the polls next yeah. time around. I mean, is there any connection between the French uh, complicity with the uh, what can only be described as, the, as human traffickers and Brexit? Because I've been asked that question by some people about, you know, the French will harden uh, their stance on this until such time as we finish talking about fishing rights. I think really you can't blame the French, can you? If, if, if migrants who are in camps on their shores want to leave mm. and they turn a blind eye to it, well, it, you know, it's not their problem anymore. And if we're soft enough to take, take their migrants and never turn around and say, hang on, why are you facilitating this human trafficking in the mm. channel? Well, if we don't stand up to them, then who will, right. you know? Right, uh, exactly so, right. So, so I mean, what can anybody do? I mean, we've tried to get Sajid Javid to come on the, uh, the the show this morning because it's his constituency, Bromsgrove, where this particular um, uh, video is highlighting that Nigel Farage did. So far, we haven't had an answer from Sajid Javid's office. But, I mean, he should bear some responsibility here, shouldn't he, as the local MP? Well, absolutely, and as the former Home Secretary. Yeah. Um, he, you know, he was, should have been doing more when he was in the Home Office. Yeah. Uh, pretty as hell should be now. But, yeah, yeah as, as local MP... Um, it is absolutely well he he works for us you know it, right. it's for him to come and answer what's going on mm. you know and, and if he refuses to um talk about the issue then more for him yes well quite we'll just have to keep chasing him until he finally comes uh, <laughs> to the uh, right to the right arrangement but but i mean what can individual people who are listening to this show many of whom listened yesterday and who were aghast at what they found out uh, what can they do can they petition their mps i mean i know that um a couple of people have already started talking to their mps and they've got some very mealy mouth responses back you know saying well what do you want us to do with these people if they arrive on our shores we have to look after them which seems to be the general narrative i think what we need to do ordinary people is not stop talking about it yeah don't stop talking about it until it's solved every time you talk to your mp write to your mp or you know even when you're talking to people you you know your friends family and stuff bring it up mention the fact that this is happening because yeah. it is a huge scandal yeah. and it's not just about you know, refugees crossing the channel and, oh, you know, they're fleeing war. They are coming from one safe country 
200. Yeah. They are being trafficked by criminal gangs who make an enormous amount of and money. And presumably they're it. paying for the privilege of doing that. They're paying 5,000 uh, per person yeah. is, you know, the sort of average um, mark for, for this, these sorts of crossings. So, you know, when we've got 3,500 migrants over the, since the start of lockdown at 5,000 each, that's yeah. millions that they've made. Mm. Uh, and then you have companies like Serco and Mears and Clear Springs making billions out of housing these migrants in the UK. Mm. Where is the incentive for a company like Serco or Mears to turn around and say, oh, you should probably get a handle on this. You know, we have far too many coming in. If anything, their financial interest is for more to come in. Yeah. Because then they get more. Well, this is it. And I'm wondering, as a result of finding out about these contracts, whether that is the driving force here, that actually it's British companies who are taking advantage of what is a very lacklustre immigration plan by the government. And that's why it's going to continue, because people are making so much money. Well, it amounts to profiteering, yeah. uh, is what I'd say. I, I, it's a total betrayal. Mm. If you make money out of something which affects people, you know, people dying in Glasgow uh, because of the stabbing that happened from that asylum seeker yeah. uh, hotel, there, there is blood on the hands of the people who are making money out of this. And Absolutely. if you look, actually, shares in Serco went up 6.5% yesterday after this contract was announced. Really? Uh, Mears rose 6.2%. Yeah. Uh, the, the, you know, people who are shareholders, not just the companies, there are a lot of people making money out of this. What is a national scandal? Yeah. And people are making money out of it. And I think it's absolutely disgusting. And we the, need to not only disincentivise the crossings, we need to disincentivise the profiteering as well. You're absolutely right. And thank you so much for coming on, because what we needed to hear was a voice of reason, which is what you are, Benjamin. Benjamin Lochnane from Migration Watch there saying, don't stop talking about this. Make sure that you inform your local MP. And in fact, I would say this. Because I've advised already a couple of people on social media to do this. Write to your local MP and ask them this question. Could you please confirm that we have no asylum seekers being put up in hotels in your constituency at our expense? And just ask them that question and see what you get back from them. Because they can't lie to you. They have to tell you that, yes, we are housing asylum seekers. Yes, we are paying to put them up in hotels. Yes, this is the number of people that we are paying for. They don't have to tell you where they are. They don't have to give you the name of the hotel because they will say that that's probably uh, a security problem. But what they have to do is tell you the truth. And I think it's time now that we put these MPs on the spot because quite rightly, as Benjamin said, they work for us. They don't work for themselves. They don't work for the human traffickers. And they don't work for Serco and Mears, these public service companies who have got these 10-year contracts awarded by the Home Office and the Immigration Department to literally make a fortune. It's a scandal. Absolutely and utterly nothing less than a scandal. This is Talk Radio. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. Coming up a little bit later on, John Hammond is going to join us from Weather Trending. Uh, he's going to tell us why uh, it's going to be quite so hot as it is this weekend. 35 degrees. So, I mean, who needs to go on holiday anyway? I mean, if you're basically able to get to some body of water, uh, whether it be the sea, whether it be a beach somewhere, whether it be a swimming pool somewhere, because now that gyms are open there are some swimming pools open that you can go to um if you can go to i don't know a lake can swim in it um obviously making sure that you stay very very safe while doing so uh, what a great day and what a great weekend and we heard from di earlier on in bournemouth who's from um uh, up north where she's been found that she's in an area which is being locked down and she said i don't know what to do uh, i'm not sure whether i can go back whether i can stay here and i said well 
surely if you're in lockdown uh, in a place up north, say you're in Greater Manchester, but you've travelled away from Greater Manchester before the lockdown happens, I don't think you can be blamed for that. And I don't think you should have to be punished for it either. Uh, so I would imagine if you wanted to, you could go home. But why would you if you could stay in Bournemouth and lap it up on the beach, having lashings of ice cream and ginger beer, as they say? 0344 499 uh, is the number. Let's go to the phones. Tony is in Wigan. Hello, Tony. Hello. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you, Mike. How is Wigan today? Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. I was there not that long. Well, I was there just over sort of just between Christmas and New Year, actually. Oh, right. Yeah, it's not usually like this. <laughs> <laughs> so are you are you technically are you ringing me from lockdown? <laughs> yes, unfortunately. Right. Unfortunately, yeah, I'm not very happy about it. I have to say. Hmm. Well, what does it mean for you? Are you sort of um, being told you have to stay in the house? Uh, well, no, I'm really not that bad. Um, but I was supposed to be having a lot of friends around this weekend for a barbecue, but that seems to have been had the kibosh put on it. So. Right. <laughs> but. Uh, the thing I'm really peeved about, if you like, is mm. you know, like, we in Wigan have one of the lowest infection rates in the whole country. I think right. something like 3%, uh, yes. 3 for every 100,000. And we're being lumped in with the likes of Rochdale and, and Oldham. Right. Do you think they're like doing that because miles. because it looks better if they do that? Because if they only lock down the areas where, uh, you know, we all know, although nobody's saying it, have a large Asian community, uh, that they have to try yeah. and lock down every other area to make it look like that's not what they're doing. I think perhaps that has a big uh, impact on it. Yeah. Yes. I mean, you'd be, you'd be hard pressed to find a, a mosque in Wigan, to be honest. Right. <laughs> well, this is the thing. I mean, and, and I mean, Julian Hartley Brewer was brilliant this morning by getting Matt Hancock to actually admit to it. Because it's not, I mean, there's nothing to be ashamed yeah. of. There's no reason not to go, look, there's a problem here. We're going to try and solve it. And this is where we're going to lock it down. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Mm. I agree entirely. I think, uh, you know. <laughs> It's a difficult one, isn't it? it well, it really is. And what are you? I mean, what what are your friends saying about it? Are they also not happy that they're having to basically cancel well, any plans? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're all. I'm getting messages saying we're still coming round. <laughs> I was like, yeah. well, shall we go to the pub instead? Because we can still go to the pub. So you can still go to the pub. So it's kind of a weird lockdown, that isn't it? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You just, so you, you just, just can't I mean? have friends and people from other houses in your house. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But right. Can, can I have them in the garden? Well, they have quite a large garden, so... Apparently, that is part of your house, I'm told. Ah, right, I see. So I would just go to the pub. I mean, well, you know, and, and if anybody asks you, just... Not my thingy bubble. I think you can go to the pub with anyone, because you don't know who's there. You know, there's yeah. other people at the yeah. pub who are yeah. not your friends, right? Yeah. So Should I say that my friends are my support bubble? Would what? that be it? Well, this <laughs> how is... Many, the... How many people can I have in a bubble? Well, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, like most of these things, it's all a bit sort of up in the air. But if you were to go to yeah. the pub, right, and you were to talk to some people who you'd never met before, there's nothing mm. stopping you doing that. No, now, no, exactly. that would be people who were not in your bubble, so they can't control that. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? That's, I, 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 would, I would be careful, keep your distance, and have a drink and enjoy the sunshine. Thanks very much. There you go. Cheers, Tony. Thank you. Stuart's in Neath. Hello, Stuart. Hello. Good morning to you, mate. Very good morning to you, Stuart. Well, how is Neath today? Oh, the sun is out. Lovely. And I tell you what, I tell you what I'd like to do with uh, Pretty Patel. Yes. Um, I'll invite her down to Wales to have a Welsh breakfast. Nice. And that, that would sort out. She'd go into France. She'd put on weight, you know. <laughs> uh, she'd, go into, she'd go into France. 
uh, whining and dining in France, and the people like me who were a first-time uh, voter for the Conservatives, yeah. I never go back to Labour, be quite honest with you, rubbish. But at the same time, Mike, uh, the, I feel sorry for the new MPs because they're going to get wiped out. What, you think they're not going to get re-elected? Oh, absolutely. Right. We, 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 we in Wales, we won uh, six new seats. Right. And uh, which had never been known before. Mm. So they had a pace in, they had a pace in then. But at the same time, there's, oh, I'll give you an update now on the, the Welsh Assembly. They want to make 16-year-olds now to give them the vote. Right. But anyway, I'll get back to the main subject. Go on. Pretty Patel and Boris Johnson, if they do not take... I'm an old-age pensioner, live in my own house, winter's going to come. Put me in a four-star hotel. Yes. Put me in a four-star hotel. Yeah. And I don't have to pay council tax. I don't have to pay the BBC licence. And I won't be paying that. Right. I will be cancelling today. <laughs> but, uh... What about, how do you fancy... How do you fancy 40 quid a week to look after your sort of incidentals? You know, my brother, right, he had an injury on, on his back and he had he had more operation and we got Barry Sheen job done right. on him, you know? Right. And uh, he hasn't got 40 pounds. Yeah, he, he, he got to wait for his pension. He 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 paid in. Uh, um, he's sixty-two now, I think. Yes. Yeah. And uh, Mike, this is absolutely disgusting. It is. You're absolutely but right. This is true. Boris and Pretty Patel, they want to be brought down a peg or two because yeah. I'm telling you now, Mike. I feel sorry for the new uh, Conservative yeah. MPs because they are not. They say, but I'm telling you now. <laughs> Bye-bye, Boris. Yep. Don't do anything about this. God bless Nigel Farage. Thanks. Listen, Stuart, you're a great man. Very well said. And I think a lot of people would feel the same way that Stuart does because, you know, the Tory party was elected to leave the European Union. Yes, Brexit got done. Yes, uh, they're still in the process, but basically that was a, uh, a success. However, they need to be very, very careful that they don't turn into this kind of woke version uh, of Tory party uh, policy where they don't do what the majority of the people in this country want them to do, where they turn into some kind of, you know, Lib Dem light. You know me. I'm very much in favour of Boris Johnson. I'm very much a supporter of the way that Boris Johnson operates. However, at the moment, the Conservative Party, led by Boris Johnson, is not doing what it says on the tin. And I think they do have to be very careful. If they're talking about looking at data, if they're talking about being led by public opinion, well, let me tell you this, Boris, public opinion says... You're not doing a great job at the moment. And not only that, you're chasing the wrong people down the wrong road and you're taking the wrong turn at the same time. Sort out this migrant business. Sort out this asylum seeker business. Do not make it possible for human traffickers to make millions and do not give multi-million pound contracts to big companies to then continue to make things worse for the people in this country who are struggling as hard as it is because of the pandemic and because the economy uh, is on its knees. Don't give away money to people that don't deserve it. It's that simple. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. The independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. It's Friday, it's 12.46, and it is time for this. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Perrier Awards. Do 
know, I should really film them at some point or yes. other and just put it out <laughs> as a live stream while we're doing it. Because it's actually funnier looking through the glass than it I is know. Um, with me and you doing the old arms. I don't really do the arms because I feel like, no. you know, I have to retain a certain level of uh, composure. Well, you're the host. Yes, I've indeed. Got to serious. Welcome uh, to Marta Malagon, who is here uh, and we'll take it from here. Thank you very much Hello. and uh, good afternoon and welcome Thank you very everyone much. to the Perry Awards. This is where we look back over the past week of the so-called Independent Republic so of My Graham on Talk Radio and yeah. choose their favourite moments. Mm. Now, traditions, tradition says that the first Perry goes to you. Yes. I'm going to break tradition. No. That's it. That's never happened. Well. I've never not won the first one. Well. This today is the day. I'm, I'm upset now. <laughs> and this is why it's going to become very clear. The reason for that is because yes. I'm carrying uh, a perrier from last week ah, okay. that didn't make it to the uh, okay. didn't make it to deadline right. because it was from Friday morning. Oh. Uh, regular listeners will remember that uh, royal biographer Angela Levin um, was on the show last Friday, oh, yes. and she wins a perrier for the following. Are very close to her young women with very small children. So why? Sorry, take no notice. Somebody's of my at the door. door. I hope so it's not. Why are they? It's a long clip. Um, and it was the most amazingly warm, um, stimulating, wonderful day where people were. Where people <laughs> They're not were, going away, are they? <laughs> I'd leave them. Don't worry. Don't worry. Um, as a, as a way of kind of you know sort of hitting back, if you like, at uh, the, yes. the other royals. <laughs> when it was first publicised. Uh, it was said that Meghan had cooperated. You imagine that she has sort of mentioned things to them that they could use in this... Um, As for? <laughs> now they're knocking. It's, um, now they're it's knocking. Not, it sounds like a bailiff or something, Angela. I hope you paid your, you your council tax. I think it'd be the other way round. I think Meghan will um, tell him to, to go. Really? <laughs> Oh, you think so? Do you think she'll be fed up with him? Angela, listen, I'll let you go and get the door because it sounds like whatever it is, they they definitely need to see you. Yes. And it turned out later Mm -hmm. uh, that it was the fishmonger. Yes. Mm. It was a delivery from the fishmonger. Very kindly, Angela. She sent us an email after the interview saying, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. We're like, no, it's fine. It was really funny. It was funny. So five bell bell ringings and a a knock. And and a knock. Apparently, she said he could hear her. That was why he kept banging on the door. Yes, of course. Because he could hear her talking. Yeah. I wondered why she wasn't answering the door. Well, she was busy. Yeah. She was very busy. Do you think he could have just left the fish outside? Well, I guess so. Maybe it's difficult to leave. Maybe it's difficult because maybe they come with like... Because I guess they would come with like a big box full of ice, wouldn't they? I would guess so, yeah. And one of those like... I don't know what that word is in English. You call it a sort of insulated um, bag of some kind. Yeah, like or like, you know, like a white box. Or an esky. We call it an esky in Australia. It's like an esky, you know, it's like an ice box. (laughs) In, in Australia. Yeah, in Australia, they call it an esky, yeah. That's the only word I know for it. In an icebox. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Well, an icebox, yeah. yeah. So maybe they had to, you know, take the icebox, but maybe. I don't know. It's I don't possible, know. yeah. I don't know. We'll have to get her back to Very get good, the, yeah. The Very well done. Well done. Story. Anyway, so that's why that's you didn't win the first one. I'm not so upset. But uh, not to worry, because yes. you didn't win the first one, but you do win the second Thank one. Thank goodness. Um, here's the classic Oops, Mike forgot how to speak again. <laughs> but before we do that, uh, let's take some more of your views, because we are, of course, the place where we care about your views and we want to hear about them as well. Imon uh, is in the Midlands. Imon, how are you? How, yeah, hi, how are you doing, I should say? <laughs> Good morning, Mike. How are you? It's hard to right? say Imon and hi one after the other, apparently. 
It's, I think that's what it, what it was because yes. I was concentrating so much on his pronunciation of the name yes. to make sure it got I got it right that I then forgot every other word. Listen, it's only fair. It is. I think the real reason was that I was not here. That's very possible because you ridiculously and outrageously took two days off at the start of the week. I did. I did. It's a shocking behaviour. <laughs> Don't do it again. <laughs> no, I promise that. Not anytime soon. Please. But uh, yeah, I think that's why because I yes. wasn't here to, no. you know. to, to to guide me. Correct. Yes. Correct. Thank you. There you go. We missed you. Oh, well, thank you. I, we did. I, I sort of miss you guys too. But Although also, Adam did a very I, good job in your absence. Oh, of course absence, he did. So I don't want to take anything away oh, from him. Oh, of course he did. He, mm. I'm sure he was fantastic. But I, I'm, I'm also very pleased that I slept. Yes. I took so many naps. You're looking very well. Thank you. You're thank well you. Rested. I just need to sleep. But anyway, mm. uh, moving on, because that's yes. what people are here for. Uh, call it Nick in Hampshire, Windsor Perry, for dealing with the rise of the robots. All manner of things. We'll go there in a sec. First, let's talk to Nick, uh, who's in Hampshire. Hello, Nick. <laughs> Mate, how you doing? Nice to talk to you. Very nice to talk to you. Oh, what can good, I do for mate. you? Hang on a minute, Alexa, stop. Oh, just sorry, I've got an echo. You in the background? Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> That's a Alexa, classic, isn't stop. it? That's brilliant. I've got, I've got an Alexa, and I've got a Google Home as right. well. Because my flatmate has a Google and I've yeah. got an Alexa. It's crazy. I don't have much interaction with them. Um, my kids have both got one. Mm. Um, and there was one time when I came upstairs and I was shouting about something, and they both went off. Yeah, they both started talking <laughs> back to me. Yeah, they do that sometimes. Yeah, when you, when you say feeling. a similar word to, yeah. to the name, which I will not say because otherwise I'll be triggering yes. the ones of people across Britain and right. I don't want to do that. You don't that. want to do that, no. Uh, but yeah, it's really annoying when they do that. So yeah, that's the only my only kind of experience of them really. Well, apart but you from, can listen to talk radio on them. Of, of course. course you can. And we recommend listening yes. to talk well radio done. on Alexa or other smart home smart speakers yes. are available. They are. Howard Cox from Fairview UK makes mm. it to this week's list for stating the truth of the week. And you can't carry a three-piece suite on a bicycle. <laughs> Unless it's a really small one. <laughs> I guess. For a doll's house. <laughs> I guess. He's not wrong, is it? No, he's not wrong. Well, there you go. He's got a lot of grief over that interview as well. Yeah, the Cycling fraternity were on him like a See, rash. I, I missed that one because, yeah. again, I was I was not here. But I've seen, uh, I've seen Twitter. Yes. And, it's been uh, quite a lively week. Oh, boy. Yeah, boy, oh, boy. Yeah. Oh, well. Yep. Um, it's part of the same conversation mm. about cyclists and uh, what... Um, you win the Perry for the impression of the week, but it's not what we what we normally get you on, which is Harry. 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 It's your impression of some cyclists. They're ringing Ocado every five minutes saying, where's your driver? Where is he? I need my aubergine special. You know, what's going on? <laughs> aubergine special. It is quite similar to Megan, though. It's not dissimilar. Hmm. Um, somebody asked me to do Ian Blackford again uh, soon. Apparently, oh. I did. I don't remember doing him, but uh, oh, you've done Ian Blackford yeah, before, yeah. I have. Yeah, so I'll have to do yeah. him again soon. I can imagine you'd be good at that. Yeah, well, he's Scottish, so yeah, yeah of course, yeah. I have a, so you can do that. I have a connection there. Well, it's one to add to the list. It will be. Yeah, I'll try and do it this week. Next week. Next week, yeah, yeah. No, not this week. No. <laughs> we've got four minutes. Um, the next caller wings the classic wrong namer of the week. Let's talk to Lee, uh, who's in Harrogate. Hi, Lee. Hi, Graham. Nice to speak to you. Nice to speak to you. How are you doing? <laughs> There's always one. There's always one. That Barrett Pancalia hasn't been back on lately. No, he hasn't, no. He calls me Graham as well. He calls you Graham. Yeah. I think um, he's going to have to learn your name before we get him on the I think next again. time he comes on, just remind him. Yeah, we'll just know. we'll just send him like a little post-it note yeah. or something I'm like I'm sure you're probably Mike. telling him it's Graham. It's... <laughs> Why would I do that? <laughs> I don't know. It'd be funny. Why? Well, it yeah. It would be funny. It would be funny. Yeah. But uh, no, it's not the case. Okay. Um, Georgie Frost, yes. um, you spoke to her on Monday. Yes, she live was, in um... Cartagena. 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 Yeah. All right. See, if I said good. it like that, you'd think I was just trying to make fun of it. No. Cartagena. Yeah, All that's right. good. Cartagena. All right. 
uh, in Murcia, which is in southeastern Spain. Murcia, yeah, which is where La Manga is. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I've been there many times. Playing golf? Yes. There you go. Yeah, and drinking. famous for that. Well, of course. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so you spoke to her from, from Spain. Yes. She's on holiday. She was stuck there and she gave us the dog of the week. To Spain, even though that advice is in place. And the cynics among us would suggest they're doing that so they don't have to cancel flights. <laughs> Very good. I always like it when oh, there's it's a, a great, dog It's a good the, sound, isn't it? In the background. There's always one. There's always yeah. one. Um, but this is nothing compared to what happened to poor Simon Calder yesterday. Oh, yeah. Simon Calder... Travel guru. He's like basically like the god of travel. Mm, he He's been on the show on a right. few times before. Um, regular listeners will remember that last week he gave us a tour of Venice. Yes. Which was amazing. Fantastic. Like walking like across the bridges. And uh, that place, was it Luca in um, Italy? I think it was Luca, yeah. yeah. So he was Venice on the first mm. day and then he was in Tuscany. In Tuscany, yes. And um, while in Venice, he gave us, he won a Perry last yeah. week for uh, giving us like a boat crash Two of boats the week. Colliding, yeah. <laughs> Two boats colliding. Everyone was okay, so don't worry about it. Yeah. Anyway, this week he was in Brighton, Brighton and he was attacked. My goodness me, it's all confusing. Well, it's a very big area these days, isn't it? Keeping up with various different countries. You're being attacked by some seagulls, by the sounds of it. So you might want to take, uh, am, yeah. want to take too, cover. Yeah. They're huge, those things, and indestructible, by the way. Uh, they might carry you Thank off. You. <laughs> I got some grief for that, you know. Somebody gave me a hard time for being why? mean about the seagulls, saying that they're because they are a protected species. Yes. You can't do anything about them. That's why they're so big. Well, you can run away from them. Well, you can try, but they're pretty quick as well. I've seen loads of videos of seagulls like taking people's ice creams at the yeah, yeah, and stuff. And also, they can, you know, they can take your kebab. I mean, in Glasgow, I've seen somebody's oh, yeah. kebab go disappearing. <laughs> he just came down and took this guy's kebab out of his hand. That's, Amazing. That's very unfortunate. <laughs> Imagine you taking kebab. I know. <laughs> and the seagull takes it. Do you know? Oh. Well, you've heard my story about the seagull mugging me for my sunglasses. No. 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 Have we got time? Yeah. Um, I was sitting on a beach. I think it was Lyme Regis in yeah. Uh, Dorset. Yeah. And we were having fish and chips with the kids. We were sort of pottering about in the sea. And suddenly my this thing clattered into the side of my head, right? And I kind of, you know, was slightly dazed. And uh, I saw this seagull fly. And it was oh. a seagull had flown right into the side of my head. Yeah. Right. I thought it was after the fish and chips. No. Mm. I realised, I looked around, my glasses had gone. It stole my sunglasses. Wow. I'm not joking. That's crazy. It took off with my sunglasses. That's crazy. And I assumed that they had some lair somewhere that was full of shiny things. Yeah, you know, yeah, maybe, they'd yeah. they stolen from yeah, people. Yeah, You know, were somewhere in a Were they nice sunglasses? They were, were they, like, very, nice. very nice looking. They were, they were sort of wire, wireless? No, rimless. Rimless, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> were they polarised? Uh, they weren't um, They weren't prescription, so... Oh, okay. But they were my favourite sunglasses. Yeah. I never well, saw them again. Oh, no. Maybe they're in the black market somewhere, somewhere. like a seagull Yeah, community. seagull community. <laughs> you, know, you know, the boss of the seagulls is sitting there wearing the sunglasses. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, well. I get silly now. It was very silly. But finally, this yes, is the last one. Please. This week's uh, James Larbin Technical Difficulties yes. Perry Award goes to former Tory MP and friend of the show, Nick Dubois. I mean, that's, that's to me, isn't uh, you know, a great deal of exercise. It's better than nothing. But the thing is now, what I and, see... And you know what, Mike? Go on. Reward yourself go and have uh, that hamburger <laughs> we're slightly we're slightly losing your signal it sounds like he's going through one of those tunnels yes. you know the time tunnel where you just everything slows down yeah you know like a, or a black hole yes yeah, something like that could well be he that. was also in spain there's a big spanish in fact funnily enough the yeah. monday show when you weren't here yeah we had more people on from spain than we've ever had i know even the callers were from spain i know and i was in dorset believe it <laughs> can you believe it dorset look out for the seagulls thank you very um, much thank you very much uh, that's all for the pair rewards there'll be more next week <laughs> The Perrier Awards 
on Talk Radio. Talk Radio across the UK, online, on DAB, and on your smart speaker. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday, on Talk Radio via DAB online or via the Talk Radio app. And if you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us on 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.